It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. Now a man is seen walking towards the officer's SUV, but the deputy's SUV investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired multiple shots while the two were parked. multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans, I rise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. As far as the allegations of the CIA hacking the Senate computers, nothing can be could be volatile, and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. And now, here's CD Media's host of Information Operation. Welcome back to Information Operation. I'm, I'm honored today. We, we have a, a, a guy who... Uh, we were talking offline before the show that our, our past had probably crossed at some point in, in, in our, in our past back in the day. But uh, Pete Blaber is a former special mission unit commander. I won't go any more into that, but he's got a heck of an interesting background and he's also got a bio biotechnology background and he's written a book called the common sense way for leadership, a new way to think about leading and organizing. So we'll talk about the book at length, but welcome to the show, Pete. Thanks, Todd, and uh, thanks for having me on to talk about leadership. Uh, so, you know, so what, yeah, go, with you, go into your background, some Pete, and let, let's uh, whatever you want to say, and we can go from there. Okay, sure. Yeah, so I'm the fortunate benefactor of what I have come to believe over time is one of life's most esteemed privileges, uh, that of leading fellow humans across continents, cultures, and contexts, meaning military business and life. Uh, and yet, as my former unit taught all of us, uh, you know, leadership is a responsibility and we all have a responsibility to pay something back uh, when we are allowed to have that privilege. And that's really the point of, uh, of my first book. Uh, it's to pay something back. The, the military at its best is an amazing, sprawling leadership academy. Uh, you know, and after a couple of years of attendance, uh, you've heard about the importance of taking care of your people and doing the right thing uh, so many times over and over that it sticks with you uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, but, you know, as you know, again, hearing it and reading it on banners in your auditorium or uh, you know, posters in the hallway is one thing. Humans, we learn through experience. So we have to see it. Uh, we have to feel it. We have to have a mental model of what common sense leadership act actually is. And, and that goes back to, you know, my background. I'm very fortunate to have had just a 
lineup of amazing leaders, especially in my early years in the military. Uh, I started out, came right out of college, didn't know a lot about the military. Uh, I was influenced uh, at the end of my high school years by the failed Iran hostage rescue mission because that made me think for the first time about how fortunate I was to live in this country and have all the freedoms that I had had. Yes. And, you know, I remember it because it was the first time in my life as a young man, I actually appreciated uh, everything I had, specifically this great country of ours. So I decided I wanted to pay something back. I joined the military. Again, uh, I'm from uh, a suburb of Chicago, Oak Park, Illinois. There's no military bases. I didn't know a lot about the military. My dad served two years in the Korean War, but was not a professional military guy. So when I went to the recruiter, I thought everybody was an infantryman or a special ops guy. And he started giving me a litany of jobs that I qualified for. And, uh, you know, for some reason, there must have been a shortage in the medical corps because he wanted me to be a medic or uh, or go to the the uh, medical school for officers. Hmm. And I told him, no, I want to I want to join special operations unit. Uh, the same one that participated in the Iran hostage rescue mission. So yeah. I joined the military. I My first tour was on the DMZ in Korea. Uh, I went from there to the Ranger Battalion. And uh, from the Ranger Battalion, I commanded a company in Fort Ord, California, an infantry, light infantry company, um, the Manchus. And from there, I went to selection and spent the rest of my career uh, in a special mission unit uh, traveling yeah. all across the globe. And that brings me to the book. So, you know, my book, uh, I wrote it really for the same reason I joined, uh, to pay something back. Um, I get it that I was fortunate to uh, learn how to lead from all these amazing uh, people, these amazing leaders of all ranks, uh, you know, that to include the same rank as me because uh, you learn about leadership from everyone. Yeah. And, you know, the book itself is uh, about common sense. It's called The Common Sense Way, and it's a book about common sense, what it is, how to make it, and how to put it into practice across all contexts of leadership in life. Um, you know, the if you brought together 100 people and asked them if they know what common sense is, you'd get 100 versions of the same answer. Of course, I know what it is. But here's where it gets interesting. If you then ask the same 100 people to define common sense, you get 100 different answers of what the definition of common sense is. So how can it be that we all know, instinctively almost know what common sense is, mm -hmm. yet no one knows what the definition of common sense is? Hmm. The answer is pretty simple. The answer is biologic. And that's the answer that, again, I was fortunate enough to stumble on uh, working in biotechnology. And it comes down to this. It's very, it's very simple. It's not uh, full of multiple syllable scientific terms. You know, our capacity to make sense of the world around us is already determined by the time we're born. Uh, every member of our species who has ever lived is born with a nervous system that's generally capable of seeing light within the same range of wavelengths, hear sound waves 
through the same range of frequencies and can taste and smell the same range of molecules and chemicals. Hmm. Our 95, 99.5% the same DNA enabled nervous systems ensure we humans all make sense a common way. That's why it's called common sense. And we do it via hmm. learned knowledge of patterns, light patterns, sound patterns, and their relationship to event, to events. And that's also why we all have two eyes, two ears, a nose, a mouth, a brain, a spinal cord packaged inside a body elegantly wrapped in skin. Mm -hmm. uh, evolution won't let us make sense any other way, not without becoming a new species. So, you know, why is that important? Why, why do we need to, you know, know how we make sense? Well, because now you can pressure test the sense we make. We all know that you know, the old saying perception and reality. It's true. Yeah, yeah. The first time you look at something, you're not going to uh, fully recognize what it is or understand the context with which it's operating at that moment. You have to think about it um, and you have to scrutinize it in some way. And that's why we have a nervous system. Our nervous system is designed to help us survive. So understanding what it does and how it does that is incredibly important to not just our survival, but making good decisions and solving complex problems. And the bottom line with our perception, the whole perception reality thing is we can't fully illuminate our thoughts and ideas unless we translate them into something tangible. And the arc of human evolution skyrocketed once our species learned to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, saying what we're thinking and feeling out loud is an evolutionary capacity that enables our brains to put any situation in context and see if what we're thinking makes sense or if it's senseless. Uh, we've all heard of whistling in the dark. You know, when mm -hmm. you're afraid, you instinctively begin talking out loud. Uh, there's a couple reasons for that. One is the only part of our brain that can speak is our thinking brain, our neocortex. So if you wanna think, you can start speaking, especially calmly. It engages your neocortex and allows you to pay attention to what's going on around you. Um, and back to what how important freedom of speech is, freedom of speech is the verbal manifestation of freedom of choice. We choose to speak. So saying what we're thinking out loud enables ourselves and those, the people around us to pressure test the sense we make. And another principle that we should all remember, the more senses we involve in anything, the more sense we can make. So saying it out loud and that enables ourselves, if we're by ourselves, to hear what we're thinking, to feel what we're thinking. And if there are others around, we're able to engage all their senses and bring their intellectual capacity in to pressure test what we perceive and see if it makes sense. So, you know, that's kind of an example of uh, yeah. how we, the how understanding what common sense is and how we make sense can be so valuable to not just a leader, but to anyone who's trying to uh, make decisions and solve complex problems. You talk a lot in your book about um, how some of the old ways of learning leadership may be uh, archaic or for lack of a better word, not involving all the things that leaders should do. Uh, so, so how did the military teach you to lead and 
what where do you take it from there as far as additional uh, areas that leaders should consider when they're making to make good decisions, which you know obviously are meant to make the unit effective, whether it's a military or corporate unit. Yeah. So great, great question. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no bumper sticker answer, obviously mm -hmm. we've all been, you know, asked the question many times, tried to write about it. Um, but one thing is for sure, if you had to neck it down and stay as general as possible, mm -hmm. it would come down to this principle of taking care of your people, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a biologic and evolutionary basis to that principle. What is it? Well, let's go back to the first leaders of our species. The first homo sapien leaders weren't kings and queens, presidents or prime ministers, sirs or ma'ams. They were parents. Hmm. The first homo sapien leaders were parents. It was a mom and a dad. And so leadership and parenthood are indelibly mm. linked and that's where the taking care of your people comes from you can't be mm. a successful leader or a successful parent unless you take care of your people and what does that mean just like parenting it doesn't mean you coddle them or try to convince them that you're the funniest greatest person uh in the world it means you do the right thing for them to teach them how to survive thrive and right. evolve Future. And what that comes down to is the choices you make. So whenever I'm asked for a definition of success of a successful leader or what a leader does, a leader makes decisions and solves problems uh, to successfully influence their people's ability to accomplish their purpose. Uh, and, you know, my first book was called The Mission, The Men and Me. And that just is a principle that reminds us that purpose comes first. The reason we're all together is the purpose. So in the military, you know, that's why the purpose comes before the people mm -hmm. because the people are there for the purpose. They're not there to hang out with you or to, you know, see if you're a good leader or, or whatever. They're there to accomplish the per the common purpose that you're all there for. And you I think we may have lost some of that in today's military. I think we totally did. And I think we've lost it across the board. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, today it's at its height, but mm -hmm. this has been going on for a while. Um, yeah. You know, when you and I talked, we, we talked about leadership and politics. And, you know, when was the last time we had a question in a presidential deb debate about leadership, leadership experience, how they translate that experience to lead this entire country not in my i can never remember that happening and it's kind of amazing if you think about like in the primaries how you have all these people standing up in the primary right. all next to each other it's almost like they should have above them projected a you know synopsized resume of their leadership experience right because we're hiring them to be leaders not to be politicians and, you know, that being a leader requires some knowledge of what a leader does and how to be an effective leader. It's not what we're seeing in many cases today and what we've seen for a while, which is people who think leadership is their chance to do whatever they want and to yeah. invoke 
their way of thinking, their ideas upon the people they lead. And well, what, what, what's happening today is definitely not taking care of the people. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, with an open border, with, you know, destroying the currency, you know, increasing mm-hmm. that exponentially. I mean, that, that's destroying our children's future right there. So I'll let you take it from there. But, yeah. Um, no, you're right. It is. We have a leadership crisis and, you know, that's another part of it. It's to get people back talking about leaders and leadership. Uh, and again, not to just stay focused on politics, mm-hmm. it's the same in the corporate world. And, you know, as we're seeing in uh, one of your last guests, uh, mm-hmm. Rubio Ross, it's still a struggle in the military. Yeah. Um, so we've got to get it at least back, start talking about it, saying it out loud uh, so that we can make sense of it. And I feel like if we do that, if we can get back to making leadership matter again, we'll go a long way toward not only improving uh, improving our country, but mm-hmm. our social systems and our economy along with it. You write about uh, emotional intelligence and, and how to make quick decisions effectively. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So again, another relevation, uh, revelation for me uh, and you know, when I say revelation, that I use that usually means things I wish I knew uh, <laughs> when I was in the military. Yeah, right. I'm actually applying all these things, uh, and even though I didn't, I wasn't consciously aware of the science of sense making and you know common sense. The funny thing about it is, when you look back, you find out you pretty much were following it just because you were trusting. Uh, your own senses and your own mm-hmm. sensibilities. And so, you know, the the very essence of it is uh, our brain and how our brain thinks and makes decisions. When we're aware of how our brain thinks and makes decisions, it's it's called metacognition. It's the mm-hmm. it's high form of cognition where we understand how we think. And when we understand how we think and make decisions, we can make better decisions and think better thoughts. And so the brain is, we actually have three brains, not one. And that's where the triune brain metaphor comes from. Uh, The three brains are uh, evolved in order of development. Our reptilian brain sits on the bottom. That's our instinctive brain, the brain we had when humans were reptiles. That's the part of our brain that just reacts with fixed program to uh, to uh, you know stimulus from the outside. Right. That's where our fight or flight comes from. That's where everything about our uh, that's on autopilot in our nervous system comes from. Next was our emotional brain. That's in charge of our social emotions, uh, compassion, uh, embarrassment, love. Um, collaboration. And that part of our brain, it's believed, evolved to help us learn from our experiences. Uh, Because a reptile doesn't learn. They just do the same things over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that's where reptilian brain works. To learn from our experiences, we have to feel our experiences. So the emotional brain is not this worthless, antiquated thing. It's an incredibly important part of our brain that tags experiences with many feeling metaphors and then files them away in our head. 
And, and that's important because it files things that involve fear in one place, things that involve bravery, happiness, mm-hmm. it clusters them together. Now, sitting on top of all that is our neocortex, our thinking brain. And it's three times the size of our other brains. But of greatest importance is uh, first understand what the neocortex does. It's the only part of our brain that can speak and understand language. And it's the only part of our brain that can consciously monitor sensory information. That's what's going on around us. So, you know, in a life or death survival situation, back to your question, if you're allowing your emotional brain to ride herd over you, then you're scared. And if you're scared, you're not thinking about what's going on around you. It's impossible to uh, process sensory information. The wind just shifted. Uh, Was that, you know, I just heard a stick crack in the distance off to the right. You can't, you cannot get in touch with that part of your brain unless you engage your neocortex. So understanding how to do it is incredibly important. And, you know, up till 20 years ago, uh, there was an old saying that thoughts control behavior and everyone said it and believed it. And it's, we now know that's not true. Behavior Mm -hmm. actually control our thoughts. And it's so important in life or death situations because you can change the way you think and feel with, by changing your behaviors. And you can test it out on the highway. Next time you're in a traffic jam, stressed out, maybe you know someone cut you off, whatever, look in the rear view mirror and force a smile onto your face. And by forcing a smile on your face, you'll feel happy. Mm-hmm. It shows you how your actions control your behaviors. And the same thing goes when you're afraid or panicking or stressed out by simply taking deep breaths in and out, in through the nose, out through the mouth and counting to 10. If you want to go advanced, count backwards from 10, you engage your neocortex and that enables you to pay attention to what's going on around you make sense of what's going on around you and sensible choices about what to do next. Now, again, your question was, how do you prepare yourself? Well, it turns out the brain is what we've always called it a muscle. And the neocortex, even though it's uh, three times the size of your other brains, it's also the last one to receive bottom-up sensory information. So, when you hear that stick snap in a dark, cold forest when you're all alone, uh, the first instinctive reaction to any sort of outside stimulus is going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel fear before you even know what made you afraid. Uh, you're going to feel the urge to panic before you even assessed what you just heard. So. It takes about a quarter of a second for that sensory information to reach your neocortex. But by the time it gets there, your emotional brains already react. And the art and science of decision making is training yourself, just like you train your muscles, Mm -hmm. to turn off that emotional brain and switch right to your thinking neocortex. Stay calm, think. You can't say that enough. It's repeated in my book uh, a number of times. It's very simple. Uh, it because it makes you engage your neocortex and it's telling you exactly what you need to do. Take a deep breath, stay calm, think in any situation, whether it's a bear, 
uh, a potential ambush, a car crash, any of those things. If you want to perform, if you want to be who you really are, you have to engage your neocortex. You have to think about it. And knowing how to do that is, to me, an incredible breakthrough that, like I said, I wish I had been consciously aware of it uh, during the military. But yeah. uh, because the unit I was in taught us about common sense, we always said it was common sense. We did it anyway without really yeah. Why or how it worked? There's a scene in uh, Black Hawk Down, and I guess probably many other movies, you know, of war. Um, I, I think in the military, when you get past kind of a fear of death, then you start thinking, like you say. And 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 there's a scene where I think it's the lieutenant colonel on the ground team or whatever the, with the Rangers, who, you know, the fire's coming in all over, and he's just calmly telling people what to do while people are freaking out around him. I think that's exactly kind of what you're talking about. Um, it is. Yeah. It, 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 it's a great point, Todd, because it goes back to, you know, our ancient ancestors who were hunter gatherers. Mm -hmm. That's part of our herd response, our, you know, pro-social response to things. Um, we not only is fear contagious, but calm is also contagious. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you think about, you know, a herd of deer in the middle of a field, when one deer straightens up, you know, rock rib rigid, freezes, and then takes off, that whole herd's going to take off with it. Yeah, yeah. Saw the, the frightened behavior first, got ready, and then followed the lead. Uh, it's the same thing for leaders. Um, you know, basic training for a, lot of, uh, for a lot of flight attendants and airline pilots teaches them that when you make the announcement, even if you know the plane's going to crash. You speak calmly uh, because yeah. calm, like fear, and common sense are contagious. So when you act calm, it spreads around you, and those that you lead stay calm, they think, and give you a better chance of uh, figuring out how to get out of whatever situation you're in at the time. So we were talking uh, before um, that we're in a unique period in our country's history. Uh, we are facing challenges none of us ever really thought we would. Uh, but I'm of the firm belief that many of us who went through the kind of training, uh, you know, each of us had different types of training, but the similar uh, types of training in the military uh, were, were, went through that for a purpose. I, I think we were chosen a long time ago to lead in these kind of situations, even if we're not in the military anymore, and that people need to take risk, do what you're saying, look at what's going on around us, and 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 lead the country out of this. Uh, what do you say? You've you've had a lot of experience with the three-letter agencies. I mean, what do you? Uh, how do you see what's going on, and how does America get out of this? Yeah, well, great way to frame it. Um, so yeah, just to go back again, um, if you would ask me before 2017, uh, mm -hmm. is it possible for um, any of those three letter agencies to commit a conspiracy, a large multi-agency conspiracy, especially a conspiracy against uh, an American, a fellow American, I would have told you, no, it's not possible. Yeah. Uh, and I've spent, uh, you know, with every one of those agencies, I've 
spent a lot of time. I won't go into it. Been in every one of those buildings so many times. I don't want to go back to the, any of those buildings. Uh, I know what they're capable of. I know what their charters are, what the law says they're supposed to do. And that's the knowledge that would have prevented me from ever imagining uh, what just happened could yeah. possibly happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was saying this at the time. The, the thing about turning that NSA asset, which I won't name, on the American people, which is not a conspiracy theory or anything else. It's proven. The yeah. IG proved it. It's, it's on the record. Sure. Uh, it, it alone is probably the most egregious transgression against uh, the citizens of this country in yeah. the history of this country. Um, turning that on to spy on Americans is such an intolerable thing that, you know, that alone, it should have been wiped out. The whole FISA thing should have mm -hmm. immediately ended right there, but it yeah. got bigger. It showed this, you know, uh, enterprise, um, and, and col of collaboration, which, you know, we don't need to be frustrated by it. We just need to learn from it. And one of yeah. the things we need to learn is our country's always been about checks and balances against mm -hmm. senselessness. And our constitution is this amazing document that somehow a group of common sense Americans were able to put together. Um, and so we have to learn from this. And the number one lesson to be learned from it is uh, as soon as possible, we need to take actions to prevent any of this from ever happening again. We have to take actions around our elections. We have to take action around what these agencies are allowed to do by law. And then we have to put checks and balances in to prevent them from ever doing it again. Yeah. Uh, it's monumental betrayal of trust. And the only way they can ever re-earn that trust is to go back to the start point, uh, is to have their privileges taken away. The, yes. the FISA process was a privilege, and that needs to be taken away, as do a number of these other uh, DOJ-related uh, powers that have popped up, too. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, common sense comes back to common sense. Common sense is the common ground and common language upon which we stand. And all you have to do is think about what they've done and take it out of the emotional political context and just apply it to yourself, your loved ones, your business. Uh, there's no stopping. If they're allowed to spy and to access records and to manipulate things for political purposes, it doesn't matter what politics you call yourself. You're going to be caught up in that and you're going to come out on the low end of it. So I agree with you. Uh, everything, you know, has a purpose. Uh, we never would have known, uh, as I stated up front, I would never, I would have told you it was impossible to do this. Mm -hmm. now, I know it's not. Uh, what was impossible, again, was a failure to imagine yeah. that, all these checks and balances would collapse, specifically the press and the corporate media. I could never have fathomed that they would be part of the, the collusion 
uh, not a checks and balance against it. And as for the individuals who are involved, I can't even, that's like trying to get inside the head of the guys who flew the planes on 911. Uh, well, I, I, I think there's going to be accountability for a lot of these senior officers, especially who are enabling this stuff or, or even involved in it. You know, if you're a, a three-star general and you're allowing this to happen and not, you know, okay, so you think maybe you, you want your career or maybe you think it's best to stay on so that uh, you can fix things down the road. I, I think you either, as a senior officer, you need to resign if you can't support what's going on. And, and that needs to happen across the board. And, uh, you know, people just have to take risk and stand up, whatever that looks like. So, yep. uh, you know, because uh, they can't, if, if enough of us do that, they can't defeat us. And, and that's the way the, the, the revolutionaries defeated the English back in the day was too mm -hmm. many village operations that they just could not handle. And um, that's my sense of the way forward. But um anyway the book is the common sense way and uh we will put it uh in the article and uh where to get it where, tell us where to get the book pete well, we're on uh, anywhere on amazon you get it barnes and noble uh you go to my website peteblaber.com and link into either one um but it's it's available uh e-version paperback whatever whatever the preference is excellent well I think you have a unique skill set and I want to have you back once uh, once we're further into this whole coup, whatever you want to call it, and talk about how to because I think the 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 issue of uh, you know military leaders taking a leadership role in this society is 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 key in my opinion. Uh, we have the skill set and we have to use it even if we're you know older like us. <laughs> so well, so I just will say one final yeah. thing on yeah. We, my my buddies of mine who I grew up with, we talk still friends and a lot of them live mm -hmm. back in Illinois and they talk about our old hometown um, mm -hmm. and what's kind of happened to it. But at the same time, we talk about the way it was when we were growing up there. And one of the ways it was, my, one of my memories of my hometown is my dad would come home. He was a banker. So he'd get home seven o'clock at night mm -hmm. and we had nine kids. So he'd get home, drop his briefcase, keep his tie on and he'd go to the city planning meeting right, right. For a week. It was no pay. It was right. volunteer work, but the town, everything about that town city planning was, was those decisions were made by these, you know, fathers right. of the town, fathers and mothers who volunteered right. their time. So what's the revelation of that? We were all talking about it. And then we were all realized none of us are on any, local yep. city planning boards none of us are doing that and it was a wake-up call to me you know and a, a number of my friends and we've all vowed now hey we got to get back to that we let all that go and get occupied by people who do not once again are not common sense leaders uh and you we just had a real world example of that through this whole pandemic yeah. the actions that were associated with the pandemic I would you say know, many of them are not even Americans, but that's that's so. Well, we, we they have really their own. Of, yeah, again, in those jobs are in the and they get paid in those jobs now too, and it might be menial, but they're actually in it in part for the money, the status, sure. and do you know 
to enforce their way on other people instead of being in that job to take care of the people and the future of that town. So your point is a good one to all military, to all citizens. We have to stand up. We have to get involved. We have to take action to make action. And well, you, it's not hyperbolic to compare now to 1775, 1776. Completely. If everyone just stood around back then, you know, we wouldn't be a nation and we wouldn't be here. Yeah. So the calling is there. It's right in front of us. Um, all we got to do is have common ground on common sense. And that's why I wrote that book. And uh, I hope it can contribute to the effort. Well, thank you, Pete. I enjoyed that. I definitely want to do it again. So uh, yeah. we'll have you back and uh, hopefully you'll we'll help you sell some books. So take care, Pete. Thanks, man. Yeah, take care.